Support for this podcast comes from MetaView, the platform that uses AI to automatically write your interview notes for you, powered by GPT-4. Recruiters and hiring managers at companies like Robinhood, Brex and Genentech describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high quality conversations with candidates. They can focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. MetaView's interview summaries are purpose-built for recruiting, so they're 10 times more accurate and relevant than generic transcription tools. And they work seamlessly with your recruiting stack, video conferencing tools, and even mobile calls, so there's no need to change your existing workflows. You can see the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to metaview.ai slash recruitingfuture. That's metaview.ai slash recruitingfuture to get started. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 518 of the Recruiting Future podcast. At the beginning of May, I attended Unleash America as a podcaster and panel host. It was Unleash's biggest event to date in the US, and the content and conversations were excellent. As you can imagine, the implications of generative AI dominated the discussion. From talking to a range of practitioners, vendors and thought leaders, it was clear that everyone agrees that talent acquisition will be changed quickly and forever by new technology. However, it's not just technology that's driving change. Aside from the obvious economic issues, many employers are rethinking their whole approach to talent. And this was reflected in several conversations that I had about the blurring lines between talent acquisition and talent management. Next week, I'll be publishing some long-form interviews that I recorded at the event. But in the meantime, here's a series of short conversations that capture the essence of the discussions at the show. You're going to hear from John Vlastelika, the CEO of Recruiting Toolbox, Sarah White, the founder of Aspect 43, my co-author, co-collaborator and HR analyst, Mervyn Dinnan, and Chrissy O'Connell, who's internal recruiting lead at Guild. Hi, John, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So um, for people who might not know you, I can't believe there's anyone who who wouldn't, but just introduce yourself quickly and tell us what you do. Sure. I'm John Vlastelika. I'm the CEO of a company called Recruiting Toolbox, and we're a consulting and training firm that works with lots of big companies to help them improve kind of who they hire by helping them improve how they hire. So a lot of training for recruiters and hiring managers and um, consulting work to help them kind of define their bar and 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 just you know make sure the the teams are focused on the right kind of outcomes for their business. So now we're we're day two of Unleash in Vegas, um, and you can tell it's day two just by the state of everyone wandering wandering around. Lots of very tired people. Um, you've been very busy the last couple of days, haven't you? You've done you've done quite a lot of sessions and things like that. Yeah, t- t- talk talk us through it. Yeah, I got to do I got to do three panels and then a uh, TA leader workshop, which is great. So uh, it's interesting because I would say one of the themes that's that's true across all of the sessions I've done here uh, is very much this kind of a uh, more talent management than pure talent acquisition. 
acquisition. So my background and experience is very much, you know, corporate talent acquisition before I, you know, became a consultant and led a consulting firm. But a lot of my panelists uh, were actually in talent management, DEI, other areas. And a lot of what we were talking about was how do you uh, not just think like a TA practitioner, even though the audience was TA, but how do you, how do you think about onboarding and internal mobility and compensation and pay transparency and, and diversity um, in the context of what we do? Uh, a lot of executives are asking us questions and asking us to help solve things that frankly you're not going to hire or you're not going to solve just by making more external hires. You have to have influence over point of view on all these other things. If your onboarding sucks, which most companies onboarding sucks, that actually has an upstream impact on the, on how you're going to kind of build your target candidate profile. Like I might need more hit the ground running. If I don't have good onboarding and training, once the person starts, I need someone that's got all 10 out of 10, right? But if I, if I'm more flexible on that, or, uh, if I'm, if I have better onboarding, better training, better way to integrate people and develop people, I can actually widen the aperture a bit and maybe consider talent that the hiring manager hasn't considered. Maybe we can go from hit the ground running to hit the ground learning. Right. And that's a real shift. So we're talking about those kinds of things. Do you think the silos are breaking down in HR and talent? Because I'm, I'm just getting that kind of impression. Cause I, again, I had a very similar panel, which brought together TA and talent management and it was a very joined up conversation. Are we, are we kind of seeing that within employers? Yeah. I was joking. Like we're getting the band back together. It's crazy because, you know, I, I'm old now, but in the nineties, uh, late nineties in particular, when I was on the epicenter of dot com and Amazon leading tech recruiting, we were like, we don't even belong in HR. We should be in sales and marketing. We're like, we're like internal headhunting. I don't want to report to some, you know, personnel VP. Like this is ridiculous. We're, and that was really, you know, as, as conferences like, you know, SourceCon and other things were coming out, there really began to be this focus in the 2000s away from, um, being even part of HR. And now I would say it is, it is fascinating. Um, I won't name all the names, but I can't tell you how many clients we have or friends I have that are VP of TA and internal mobility and onboarding and DEI and, and, and like one person is like the recruiting and retention he owns. I mean, that's kind of all of the stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So and what's, what's driving it? Is it, is it data? Is it technology? Is it the market? Is it a combination of all of those or I something it else? Back to, you know, I, I frame it. I get to talk to executives for a living, right? Business executives as part of focus groups and work we do. They, they, they don't think about HR siloed like we do. Like they expect, if you want to be a talent advisor partner to them, they expect you to, to be thinking about internal talent. They expect you to be thinking holistically. Like if onboarding sucks, what impact does that have? They, they expect us to bring insights and Certainly, our tools are getting more integrated. A lot of tools still suck, but but some of our tools are getting integrated. But it's not the tools and technology driving it. It's that the, the quote, problems, the talent problems are just more complicated. And, you know, I would say this varies by country. I was in a, I was in a session with about 30 TA leaders yesterday, and uh, I was, you know, show of hands, how many of you recruit just in the United States? How would you describe the U.S. culture around developing people? And everyone's like, thumbs down. Like if when when you're obsolete, we're just going to hire someone else to replace you from the outside. I'm like, now how many of you recruited in Europe or parts of Asia? And so someone's like, in Netherlands for me. I'm like, tell me about the Netherlands. We develop our people. That is part of our culture of development. And one of my panelists worked for a French company. Same thing. You don't just kick people out and then hire different one but but that's a little bit of the culture historically what i'm seeing and some of it's driven by pain from the pandemic and all the challenges of hiring but some of what i'm seeing is companies are like we have to have a strategy for internal talent now because there's just not enough talent so i unfortunately i'd like to say it's being driven by a lot of like oh we need to think about our empl-. it's being driven by pain i mean it's being dri- like we have to do that and, and that's okay because sometimes good things come out of that but in the united states i see a, a real shift starting to happen that's kind of bringing the band back together 
you, you can't have any kind of conversation here or anywhere in TA at the moment without talking about generative AI. Um, what's your take on it? What's it? What's it? What's it? What's directions it taking us as an industry? I've I've seen some some I was not not designed to be scary videos, but I've seen some videos that just kind of kind of freak me out that really make me wonder. Um, are you know what is the role of the professional going to be that has anything to do with kind of knowledge and content? Like I just I feel like if that's the thing you're standing on, that's going to be very unstable for you in the next few years. Um, I'm I'm very excited. I, the thing I am most nervous about. I've had lots of conversations here about this with vendors and colleagues and analysts. Is just uh you know verifying identity. Like like how are we going to know? That that avatar that looks just like me, that is speaking words, that has cloned my voice, cloned my is me and not someone else. And 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 deep fake videos have been around for a while, which are scary, but you can kind of tell they're deep fake videos. And I was over talking to the the vendor that won uh, one of the awards yesterday for a startup. Uh, I forgot what it's a startup competition um, called Hour One, and he was showing me avatars, and they are. They are good, Matt. I mean, they are like, he's like, I could clone you in two hours. And I'm like, Jesus, what the fuck? You know, I'm just like, you, and, he, and confident and not like salesy. Like, I can actually do it. And here's how we, and I said, walk me through how you do this because I, I, I make a living off of doing my, and this is kind of freaky. I can enter text. You can, he goes, yeah, you're a little too animated for us. Like, we'd have to, we'd have to have you kind of keep your hands down and stuff. But I'm like, but I'm a little too animated for you now. But, wait a year right he goes oh yeah in a year we'll be and i was just like holy sh-. like this is fantastic i mean this is I'm, I'm a geek at heart like i love technology so i'm both like thrilled and then i'm terrified at the same time right I, i've got there, there are literally thousands of hours of me talking on the on the, Dude, inter- on the I'm internet on social talent i'm on youtube I'm, <laughs> yeah. i got i'm like we're gonna get cloned in fact this this it. this might be a cloned interview i mean I no one's no one's gonna know I'm talking <laughs> to you right now i need some proof i need some absolutely proof. Yeah. um great to talk to you John. John, thanks for talking to me. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Well, an absolute pleasure to be talking to you. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. My name is Sarah White. I am the founder of Aspect 43. We are a strategy firm focused on HR tech and work tech. Fantastic stuff. So h- here we are on day two of Unleash. In fact, we're very, very, very near the end. I can see um, it's starting to it's starting to thin out, thin out a bit. It's been a it's been a bit of a marathon. Um, tell us tell us what you've been up to. What have you been presenting on? What have you been talking about while you've been here? Yeah, so we are a little bit different than a lot of other strategy firms. Our clients are actually the vendors that are here. And so we work with a number of the technologies from early stage all the way up through kind of the large enterprise. And we've had the really cool opportunity of doing sessions specifically for the vendors as the week has gone on. And so we did a day zero summit, um, which was only vendors allowed, where we really presented research around what buyers and what TA teams want. How do we fix their marketing? How do we fix their sales? How do we fix their product? So they stop building crap that we don't care about. They stop emailing so many times. They stop calling all the time. And they really start engaging in a way that's a little bit better. The other cool thing that I got to do is we ran a live focus group. So we had heads of TA from a number of very large organizations, very large global companies. And then we invited a number of teams, um, heads of marketing, heads of sales, 
to sit in silently and hear directly from the mouth of the practitioner what they wanted for their product and from the sales teams and from the marketing. And it was was just really eye-opening. I mean, we hear and we do this research all the time. And so it's really exciting that it's not me telling them like, hey, here's what's happening. They got to sit and see it live for themselves. And it's the first time anything like this has ever been done at a conference. That's very that's very cool. And where's so where's the demand in the in the market? What are the areas that the the the, the TA people are most interested in? What technology solutions are, are hot at the moment, for want of a better word? Yeah. So what's really interesting? We watch market trends, and so we've been researching this fourteen years. We know where market movement is, what is high interest, what's going to be bought in the next six months, twelve months, eighteen months, and twenty four months. And so we can we can forecast all of the trends for everybody to look at. Oh, overall product purchases are going to be down drastically. I mean, the last three years, everybody has been buying everything possible. And we're stepping back more to normal levels. Um, And so we're going to really see, especially on TA, they're starting to relook at the basics, things that are improving the process, things that are improving the overall employee experience, the customer experience, the candidate experience, kind of the whole experiential um, piece of it. A lot of ATS replacements are about to take place recruitment automation, recruiting CRM are actually the top three out of 77 categories that we index both in and out of TA. That's interesting. Obviously, huge amount of talk about AI and, um, you know, that being adopted into lots of different products. And um, I've heard everything from um, it's nothing, nothing different, nothing's changed to it's the end of TA as we know it. Where, Where do you stand on the, where do you stand on the continuum? Um, do you remember when job boards were going to die 20 years ago when we started this? Um, there's, there's a benefit to aging, I guess, that we get to watch the cycles over and over and over. And this is my, my third recession. Um, this is the third time that I have watched really, you know, industry being told it was going to die because something happened. You know, first it was the internet. Next it was when we went to the cloud. Uh, now we are, you know, because of AI. AI is going to drastically impact, drastically impact recruiting as we know it. But it's going to take away the crappy part that we don't want to be doing anyway. It's going to make it simpler. The scheduling, the coordination, some of these pieces that are slowing down the process and causing us to lose really good people. It's also going to automate and change things around how we engage and market to sourcing and and to prospect prospective candidates. And in doing so, it's going to allow us as talent acquisition and as leaders to really become far more strategic on how we are doing it. And we're going to get to be more personal. The relationships are going to go way deeper with our candidates than we've ever been able to have before because of a simple issue of time. Absolutely. And and are you seeing that that sense of the possibility of personalization, you know, with the vendors and with it? No. It's just not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, We're yeah. trying. I'm trying. Um, you know, the the reality is is TA is still or AI in TA is still very new. You know, there's we've been talking about it and they've been fake marketing it for 10 years at this point. Um, but there but most of that is really just truly recruiting automation and some minor minor tweaks, but True AI is really new and it is, we are going to see some innovation. And I think where we're going to see it first is helping with things like helping write the job descriptions and helping write 
um, the emails and how do we get more personalized with messaging? And we're going to see it more on a content side, recruitment, marketing, um, job advertising. That area is actually going to be probably impacted first, which is a nice little soft launch as the true technology gets better built in. You know, the the challenge we have to be aware of is there's legislation around using AI and hiring. You know, New York has just passed stuff. The EU is looking at stuff. California is looking at stuff. Um, and so there's very real legal confusion, right? I mean, it's not like these guys didn't even know what retargeting campaigns were. So they don't understand at all what AI is. And so they're passing laws and they're creating legislation in the U.S. at least that, um could potentially slow down product roadmapping and true adoption of what we could be doing very effectively. Final question. Tell me something that surprised you about the last few couple of days. What have you seen or heard that you 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 maybe weren't expecting? I um I'm absolutely so excited about the number of young professionals that have founded companies and are coming into the space. The number of founders under the age of 25 that we've had a chance to talk to this week has been amazing. Um, you know, I was 27 and I sold my first company and it was hard, right? Being an early, like a, a founder in my 20s in an industry that was predominantly men and was predominantly older men um, and not necessarily always being taken seriously. And I think that a lot of times um, we forget to look at that next generation and really take the time and and mentor them and develop with them and, and help them craft because they're creating what is going to be the future of what we're doing. And I learned so much from them and it's so refreshing just to like get to experience this industry through the eyes of somebody completely fresh versus, you know, us old buggers now that have been here for 20 years. So it's I feel amazing. Like been, I feel like I've been at this event for 20 years by, by, by this point in the day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's at least been 20 years in the last 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sarah, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Mervin. Welcome back to the podcast yet again. Thank you, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, as it always is. Do you know what? I'm not even going to ask you to introduce yourself because I think everyone everyone should know who you are by, by, by now. I should, I should hope so, but if they don't, I'm sure they can find me. Absolutely. So, um, day two, Unleash. Um, you're looking very sprightly for um, a man who spent three days in Vegas. So... <laughs> pretty good um what have you been up to you've been hosting a stage haven't you what have you seen what's interesting what are the kind of messages coming through i have been hosting the total experience stage and we've had some fascinating sessions really really interesting um about total experience so it's i was keen to host this stage because a lot of the research and writing and stuff i've looked into is very much uh, around this this concept of you know, historically, and we've written books on this, um, historically, you know, it's kind of, we talk about candidate experience and onboarding experience and employee experience, but it's a total experience. It's what, it's what the employees experience. And it's, you know, it, it, and so many of the sessions that, that I've introduced are people who are just doing things differently. Uh, AI gets constantly mentioned. Um, it, it is obviously the big topic. Um, but as a way of trying to understand the sentiment, I suppose, around your people. Um, I mean, if I can give a, uh, a plug uh, to, to somebody else, I was at the Work Human Conference last week, 
Um, and there was a lot there around kind of psychological safety, employee resource groups, um, employee preferences. And, and to me, this is a huge topic at the moment. It's something we don't really talk about. Um, you know, if you if you say to your, somebody working for you, how are you feeling today? Is everything okay? Well, you know, it, it's unlikely. It's, it's almost confrontational. And, you know, it, it's most organizations, we've just seen a great session from uh, Greg Roche of uh, United Health Group. I'll give him a shout out. Um, and, and as he was saying, you know, most of, 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 of the research he's done around this um, shows that we don't really start talking to people until they resign or you know until they you know somebody says you know you really need to speak to matt because he i'm i'm sure he's not happy here and it's it's too late then and it's this kind of it's not checking in all the time how are you today how are you today but it's just understanding um i suppose the employee life cycle understanding what employees want how they want to be treated um so no some good sessions uh there i think to me this is a big topic at the moment it plays into things like career experience um it, it how we recognize people how we allow them to to develop um and certainly judging from this conference and last week's and one or two of the online things that i've done uh, alongside ai and chat gpt and people listening back to this in a year's time will say god what what was all the fuss about that? Um, <laughs> it, 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 it could be like that time people used to run how to recruit with Pinterest workshops. <laughs> or, or we could just all be cloned and yeah. uh, out of a job. It's going to go one of two ways, I think. Indeed, indeed. But I think the... And, and I suppose it's to be, un, you know, it, it's to be understood of, you know, we, we've come out of a global pandemic. People's priorities have changed. They, but their preferences in how and when they work and where they work. Uh, has has changed so i think you know actually looking at the individual understanding the individual employee their experience their, their lived experience what it is they want i think um it's understandable that that's a hot topic but to me that's the main theme here yesterday um i, w- I was sitting next to you we were watching a couple of presentations on the on the main stage and i, I kind of want to pick up a bit about um a pick a bit about ai because it's been such a obviously such a big theme through everything that's, that's kind of been going on but the, the the presentations yesterday were very much about almost the future of jobs and the future of work and what will ai do and what will what will people do and it was quite it was quite interesting to sort of see a couple of perspectives on that what were your sort of takeaways from from from, from those from those sessions in terms of you know the, the future of the labor force um it, it will be different um so I suppose I've covered the fact that, that you know, um, more people wanting more choice over how, when and where they work and things like that. Um, I think in terms of AI, I mean, there's obviously something you and I have discussed about kind of the, the, the uh, kind of one day the recruitment team won't exist and hiring will be automatic. And that's actually cropped up in two of the sessions. Not, not that recruitment teams won't exist, but just that the way we hire with AI will be completely different. Um, and, and almost going to the person as opposed to the person applying. Um, so I think that it, it, it will change, but then, you know, the, the end of the job as we know it. I mean, we've been in this kind of, shall we say, HR tech-driven space now for, what, eight, nine years. Um, and we're always talking about the end of the job as we know it, the end of, 
the end of recruitment as we know it, the end of HR, the end of everything. Um, but I think that the, 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 the point about AI maybe taking over some of the human side, I suppose the interaction side, the, the, the cognitive side, I always think back to a futurist from Cambridge University that I saw speak at a conference. Um, I was talking about this back in about 2015, 2016. Um, and I, I gave him a couple of examples of, of jobs of, of people that I'm close to and, and how I thought they would change. Um, and uh, it was interesting because I think people most listeners who know me will know my wife's a flight attendant and I have been joking with her for ages that she'll be replaced by a vending machine and a chatbot and this future has said oh no 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 flight flight attendants won't be replaced because they have to make cognitive decisions the whole time uh, the flight deck will be replaced and of course you know, uh, the, the plane can be flown by computer now but as yet, I don't think we're a, a population that would get on an aeroplane with nobody in the flight deck. I think that's interesting as well because there's a lot about how do the candidates, the consumer, um, you know, feel about AI running running everything, and that 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 could be an interesting sort of theme that develops. One of the one of the interesting things we 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 were in a conversation yesterday with a vendor called Hiring Branch who. Um, had a client who had I think it was it was only for a particular program of recruiting so it wasn't necessarily across the board but was doing interviewless recruiting so was doing everything um, via um, you know assessment software and the people were starting a job and they'd never um, had a conversation with anyone in the in the company and you know an outlier but it's the kind of thing that people said would never happen a few years ago and here it is happening. Definitely. Um, and I think that there are certain sectors, certainly say the hourly sector, the hourly workers, um, particularly where they're not uh, customer facing or, or um, it's just the job. I mean, it's just, it's just filling time, working, getting paid. And it's, as long as that happens on time, then it's kind of, that's all they're interested in. Um, it's the human side. I mean, I know uh, that, that some of the examples that, that, that we're given are in workplaces where there are a lot of people. Um, and it, it, it's the, the human side is what import is, is important because it's about connection. And that's one of the things that has come out of the pandemic and remote work, that the lack of connection. Uh, how do we build connection remotely? How do people, particularly uh, newer entrants into the workforce, build that knowledge base? Um, without the connection um, and we, we've got to I suppose it's very it's, it's easy to say oh AI can do this AI can do that in the future we won't have a recruiter um, but people are still human and unless we do something unless we do something and put something in the water they, they're going to remain human and humans need human connection Mervin thank you very much for talking to me as always it's been a pleasure Hi, Christy, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Very excited to be on the show. Oh, well, it's an absolute pleasure to be talking to you. Can you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Absolutely. Uh, I'm Christy McConnell. I have the privilege of working on an incredible talent team at Guild. Um, at Guild, we unlock opportunity for America's workforce through education, upskilling, and career mobility. 
more than two thirds of our workforce won't have the skills needed for the future uh, of work a decade from now. So we're unlocking opportunity in a way that drives value for employees as well as employers. So through the Guild Career Opportunity Platform, we're able to meet employees where they are at any point in their career and help them upskill through educational programs that align to their individual goals. But we do all of this while helping them prevent student debt from happening in the first place. Very cool. Um, if you work for a guild company, you're 2.2 times more likely to find internal mobility and 2.4 times more likely to see a wage increase if you take advantage, take advantage of the education benefit through the platform. Your uh, chief people officer did a presentation yesterday that was really interesting about um, kind of navigating the future and some of the kind of great work you were, you were, you were doing. So really, really interesting stuff. Absolutely. He um, has been an incredible force coming into Guild and really helps in shape, uh, helps shaping the way that we think about talent and as we think about talent going, going into the future. So something that he had uh, chatted about, uh, about you know, re regenerating and what are we doing to put more into our employees' lives than we are taking out. So when we think about that from a talent perspective, are we providing to our employees everything that they could need to attain opportunity? Now, opportunity could mean internal mobility here at Guild. It could also mean what's that opportunity going to mean outside of Guild. So we will do everything that we can to provide career resources, upskilling, um, to help you move internally. But if the, the opportunity isn't there or the timing isn't right, we'll also support you beyond Guild as well. So tell me more about your role. You, you focus on internal mobility, is that is that right? I do, yes. So I lead our internal uh, re recruiting efforts. Um, we've got a really great squad that focuses on surfacing internal talent. We really want to understand everybody that's at Guild, where they've come from, the skills that they've brought to the table, what they're doing to upskill themselves through the Guild platform. So we're drinking our own champagne. And then how we can match that to the opportunities that we have coming down the pipeline um, when, when, at, at the point that the business needs it as well. And do you sort of work very closely with the other sort of aspects of talent in terms of, you know, L&D and talent management and all that and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And we really are seeing that our teams are blending more together and it really is a, a whole talent team effort. So we need to understand what are the competencies that you're that are going to help you uh, as you come into Guild and be successful at Guild. But then it's on the whole talent team to really help be talent coaches um, and, and talent mentors. Um, and we're really Really thinking of it as a, a, a complete talent curation team at this point. And so you you've got a specific group of people who just do internal mobility. So they don't do external recruiting and internal recruiting. It's kind of sort of separated out. Well, we are a lean team. So I still have uh, external re um, re recruiting roles that I work on, uh, but we do have an internal sourcing squad. So we have people that are leaning in um, from, you know, their, their regular uh, functions that they're doing to, to figure out where is our talent and how can we then redeploy that and match it to our internal employees aspirations as well. And how does sort of candidate experience meet employee experience in that in that sort of scenario? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we think of uh, when we bring people in as an external candidate, your experience matters all the way through. So you are still we're still focusing on that internal employee experience, and that includes your whole experience for upskilling your career while while you're here as well.
So we're on we're on day two of the of the show, and there's there's a huge amount of content that's that's, that's been happening. Lots of just lots of lots of lots of stuff. Um, what what have you what have you heard or seen that's interesting? Absolutely. So what I've been really interested in is uh, checking out all the different platforms that are using AI. Um, that is a challenge that we are working on or, or trying to to really think through at Guild is how do we scale up our internal recruiting efforts? How do we make this go faster? Bring it from a manual process to something that's a little more automated, and also how do we harness AI to help us solve the problems that we um, have that, w- that will help us in the future as well. I think a lot of companies are asking those same questions, and um, so it's been really interesting to hear about um, how the, everyone's different perspectives and, and what they're they're working through. And what do you think the the, the future looks like? So um, you know, huge amounts of content discussion about AI and how it's going to drive the future. Well, what does the future of talent acquisition look like from your perspective? Absolutely. So I, what's really been on my mind about that and the, the future of talent is that, and, and how we'll be able to use AI is these skills matching and job matching and being able to surface talent in an automated and even a, a better way is also really going to highlight how people managers are able to develop their talent and then ultimately release it happily to other teams internally. And I think that um, a, a really cool impact that's going to happen is we're going to be really shining on on the managers that are helping people grow their careers um, and then really be the, their cheerleaders going forward. One of the things I've heard people talk a lot about in terms of skills and things like that is is basically sort of future-proofing, uh, you know, future-proofing organizations because work is changing so quickly. The things that people are working on very quickly change. Um, and actually, when you're recruiting people, um, it's not what they can do right now. It's what they can do in the future. That's the most important thing. What's your, what's your take, on, take on that? Absolutely. So I have a lot of conversations with internal people around where they are right now, what they're interested in, and a lot of conversations around to get to that point, here's maybe the the programs that you can take advantage of in the guild catalog to upskill yourself and very frank conversations around if you want to get to that point, but also as roles are changing and how, how just everything is changing in, in the talent space and, and jobs so quickly, um, at what, what, are, what can we focus on together right now to help guide you towards making sure that you're still relevant in the future with your skills? Chrissy, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. My thanks to John, Sarah, Mervyn and Chrissy, And also a huge thank you to all of the team at Unleash for inviting me to the event. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.